Welcome to the Buckhead Church Podcast. At Buckhead Church, we are for Atlanta because we believe that God is for Atlanta. And these days, it's more important than ever to be known by what we're for. And we hope this podcast helps you in your life and faith. We want to help you find greater hope with fewer regrets because we are for you. If it's your first time with us, head over to buckheadchurch.org slash new so we can meet you and send you a free For Atlanta gift on us. If you're not already receiving weekly emails from us, make sure to head to our website, scroll to the bottom, click stay informed and sign up today. The best way to keep up with everything going on is to follow us on social media, subscribe to our YouTube channel and download our free Buckhead Church app. But most importantly, I hope the following episode inspires you to take the next step forward in your faith journey this week. Enjoy. Well, for just a couple of minutes, I want you to think back with me uh, for, just, for just a moment. Do you remember the moment? Do you remember the moment when you first realized that this COVID-19 thing was serious? Like, do you remember that moment? I know some of you are like, oh gosh, tell me we're not going to talk about this today. Just, just for a couple of minutes, it'll be fun for four or five of us. The rest of you can endure it. It'll be meaningful uh, for the rest of us in just a minute. But think back to that moment when you, when you just realized, oh gosh, this, was, this is going to be serious. For me, it was a Wednesday. Uh, a Wednesday afternoon, it was a late afternoon. I had finished up work, I got home and Wednesday afternoon uh, in my house always involved cleanup. You're like, what does that have to do with? Well, on Wednesday night, when the pastor is having small group in his house, the house has to look perfect for everybody who's coming to small group and we have four small children. And so I, on Wednesday afternoons, my job is to clean up the whole house to make it look like it looks like this all the time when people come over to our house. And so, so on Wednesday afternoon, I'm cleaning up and, and the, there's an NBA basketball game. It's on in the background and it's halftime and they stop the game and they say that they're going to suspend the game. They're not only going to suspend the game, but that they're suspending the NBA season. And I was like, no way. You're kidding. I mean, this is, this is serious. Like this is a big deal. And so I was sort of in disbelief. I opened up my ESPN app and I realized that they were canceling March Madness too. And I still was like, I was like, okay, That's a big deal. And then the next thing, the next headline stunned me. They were postponing the masters, which I was like, there's no way, like, this is a major deal. I was like, okay, this is a thing. Like, this is probably going to affect my life. This is going to affect our lives. If they're moving the masters over this, people in Arizona didn't really get that. But for for you here in Georgia, you you understand. Um, Maybe, maybe yours was different. Maybe yours was when a a flight got canceled because you couldn't travel and uh, you travel for business, or, or maybe you were started working from home or your, your kid's school closing and you started going, oh gosh, this is going to have an impact. And then we all watched in subsequent weeks as theaters closed and restaurants went to curbside only and uh, stores, shelves were emptying and there was no toilet paper. Shame on those of you who were the toilet paper hoarders <laughs> during the pandemic. God have mercy on your soul. Uh, that was a difficult thing for some of us. Um, we learned new language, sheltering in place and social distancing and all sorts of things. Um, and, and here's the, the hardest thing to believe is that was only about 20 months ago. 20 months ago was when that all began. I remember, I remember at, at our previous church, I remember calling our, our staff team together and announcing that um, I, I wasn't sure, but I thought that we might need to hold services online only for a couple of weeks. <laughs> Isn't that cute? A couple of weeks. I mean, you got to be kidding me. I like, that's a colossal miscalculation of what we were up against. And, and, and so 
We were all forced to deal with uh, mandatory shutdowns. It's stay-at-home stay ordinances and, and mask requirements. Um, we, we were having to contact trace and deal with quarantining. And, and, and the thing is, 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 as a society, we were dealing with something we had never experienced before. There was this outside thing that was affecting all of us as a society, and we didn't know quite how to cope with it. And so from the very beginning, and, and you may never have thought about it this way, we were looking for ways to escape from our reality. And the first place we turned was this. Remember this? We were all consumed with this. And here's my theory, and I'm not a psychologist. I, I, I play one on the weekends, but I, I, I have a theory around this. I think we wanted to escape, escape into this craziness because it was way crazier than our current reality. And so it was like, this somehow made me feel better about what I was dealing with in life. And Netflix was a sort of a fantasy land to escape to. And then social media and TikTok dances and, and Marco Polo and versus battles, which was brilliant by Timberland to, to, to bring that when we couldn't go to concerts and things like that. It was just all sorts of stuff. We fled online. And the crazy thing is the internet usage in our country blew up. Do you know that we spent 1.25 billion years online in 2020? It's unbelievable. It exploded. Something else that exploded was athleisure. Anybody excited about that? I mean, athleisure is amazing. It, it, aren't we so glad? If, it might be the one thing we take away from the pandemic that's amazing. We can all now go to work in our pajamas all the time because these clothes feel so amazing. Um, did you know that in 2019, the athleisure market was 80 billion? It was was, the, was the, the, the gross national a uh, product of, of athleisure in, in 2020, it was $284 billion industry. It's extraordinary. Somebody want to clap for that. Clap for athleisure. So, I, I'm not sure what that's about, but okay. Um, home, home gyms. We started, we started creating home gyms and home offices and reno, renovation projects. You spent, we spent $420 billion on renovation projects in 2020. And I could go on and on and on. There were all sorts of things that we escaped to and that we went to that we didn't do previously. A lot of it's well-documented. A lot of it, it, some of you took advantage of that. You pivoted. That's another word we learned. You pivoted to a new industry. You took advantage of something you saw coming. You invested in technology, whatever it was. A lot of that is well-documented. A lot of that people know about. You saw it in the news. What wasn't reported was the heavier news. Alcohol sales went up 55%. 243% online where people could purchase without having to be seen by others. Opioid uh, overdoses increased in 30 of the 50 states. Domestic violence went up 15 to 20% nationwide, depending on which state. Mental health plummeted. Anxiety and de depression, it increased by 400%. That's just in the known clinical cases where it was diagnosed. It, this was extraordinary. All of this uh, in the midst of social and political tensions that compounded all of this extraordinarily. And we all experienced this social ache that has had a bit of a hangover experience. As a matter of fact, many sociologists believe as they look at the 21st century, and we're really early in the 21st century, but two other significant events uh, drastically shaped and changed our society. One being 9-11 and the other one uh, being the Great Recession. And many sociologists believe that the pandemic will eclipse both of those and its lasting impact in our society. It's more than both of those combined. 
And here's what, what you know, and here's what I know. Week after week, we continue to experience. You and I continue to uncover sort of the hangover effects of the pandemic. I had a friend recently who was at work and found out one of their kids had to deal with a quarantine issue and they were going to have to change their work schedule. And, and they literally exclaimed out loud, I'm so tired of COVID. And I thought, really just now? Cause like you're way behind. The rest of us have been really tired of it for a really long time. And, and, and I've heard other people, I, one of the best expressions I heard, I heard somebody say, my sponge is full. I'm like, what does that mean? They're like, it just keeps coming and it keeps coming and it keeps coming and I can't absorb any more of it. My sponge is full. Today, I want just for a couple of minutes, um, I wanna talk about something really important. It's sort of a family conversation. I wanna talk about uh, one of the greatest hangover effects of the pandemic that I think puts a lot of people at risk. risk. And, and I'm, I'm gonna call it the ache of isolation. Now, I don't, know if this isn't, I don't know if this is the right term for it, but there is an ache that we all feel as a result of the isolation that we experience. And it started with the physical isolation, but it, it sort of had a snowball effect from there. And much of what we've seen in our society, much of what we've seen in the news, much of what we've seen in our communities is people being pushed beyond their emotional pain level, their emotional pain tolerance, leading them to cry out and act out and lash out some of them to check out, checking out on careers and marriages and families and relationships, some on life, many on faith. And this global physical crisis, uh, this pandemic, it, it actually has led to a global mental and emotional and I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you in a minute, even a spiritual crisis. And here's why. It's because we weren't designed for isolation. You and I weren't created to live in isolation. And when we were sort of mandated, we were forced to be isolated in a period that had a significant effect. Now, if you have a Bible, um, there's a story in the scriptures of, of an encounter Jesus had um, with a, a man who was sick. And it has eerily, eerily similar relevance for us as it relates to what we've experienced. And if you have a Bible, it's in Mark chapter one. It, by the way, I've said this before. If you don't have a Bible or you want one or, or you'd like a Bible and, and, and have one, want to have one with you on Sunday, I'm at our guest services uh, table. We would love to give you one. If you don't have one or you can't afford one, we'd love to give you a Bible. But in Mark chapter one, Mark is one of the four uh, gospel accounts or the historical accounts of Jesus's life. And we think most of what Mark knew, he learned from Peter. Most of the information, um, it, it seems heavily influenced by, by Peter. And so um, Peter was a, an eyewitness. He was right there. And, and much of what Mark wrote down was from his perspective. And Peter probably was standing there when this encounter happened. And um, in Mark chapter one, beginning of verse 40, it says this, a man with leprosy, he came and he knelt in front of Jesus. Which, if you've been reading the Bible for a long time, you're like, okay, like there's a lot of people that came in front of Jesus, people that needed healing and they need sickness. But that's because we underappreciate what leprosy is like. I want you to imagine for a second, you know someone who's COVID, you know for sure that they're COVID-19 positive and they come and they sit in front of you without a mask and they're coughing on you, okay? This is the picture. 
In fact, um, in, in, when it comes to leprosy, uh, people knew a lot about leprosy. It's kind of like where we are. There's, we're still discovering things, but we've learned a lot about this COVID-19 uh, uh, disease over the last 20 months. They knew a lot about this. In fact, 1,400 years earlier, in a, in, the, in, documented in a book called Leviticus, Leviticus 13 and 14, there's all sorts of instructions about how to deal with people who had leprosy. In fact, there's over a hundred verses about how you deal with this and how you treat it. And this is what's extraordinary. This is before we knew anything about microbes or germs or bacteria or viruses. I just want to read you a couple of verses. Uh, Leviticus chapter 13. Those who suffer from a serious skin disease, referring to leprosy, Uh, They must tear their clothing and leave their hair uncombed. They must cover their mouth and call out unclean, unclean, meaning they have to identify themselves as having this disease because it's, it's very contagious. As long as the serious disease lasts, they will be ceremonially unclean, which means they can't come to the temple. They can't interact with other people. They can't be involved in society. They must live in isolation in their place outside the camp. They were completely excluded from Jewish society. Now, here's, if you were to read on, and I won't, I'll sort of spare you all the rest of the details, but if you were to read on, there were some specific instructions that were given about how far away. Now remember, this is 1,400 years before the time of Jesus, about 3,500 years ago. They were instructed if, they, if you had this disease and you were upwind from somebody, you had to stay 100 cubits away from them. So if you're upwind, you know, that something's traveling in the air. They noticed people were getting this disease from a long way away. So 100 cubits is about 100 feet away, 150 feet away, excuse me, about 150 way, feet away. If you're downwind, you have to be, you, this is, this is, you're, not as, you're not as susceptible, but you still can't get really close. If you're downwind, you need to stay four cubits away. Some of you are doing the math really fast. Do you know how far four cubits is? Six feet. 3,500 years before our pandemic, they were practicing social distancing. So this isn't new. This is, this is very similar to what we're experiencing. And what the point was is contact with this guy would render you unclean. He's relegated to the outskirts of society, void of human connection. He's living in isolation, and recklessly. He violates the legal requirements, the the distance he's supposed to be from Jesus. He violates this, which by the way, by law was punishable by stoning. He doesn't identify himself as unclean. He disregards the the proper social distancing and he boldly approaches Jesus. And and so back to Mark chapter one, he, he, he comes in front of Jesus and begging, begging Jesus to be healed. He says this, if if you're willing, you can heal me and you can make me clean, he said. Now now notice this. This, this, If we take a careful examination of his request, it indicates his deepest pain and his deepest pain is not healing. As a matter of fact, um, we know this from modern medicine that this disease now, we call it Hansen's disease. Some of you may have heard of it before, but Hansen's disease, you have no pain. In fact, that's the problem. You lose sensation, you get numbness in your extremities. And so you don't have the normal warning signals of heat or sharp things. And that's how people became deformed was because, because they, they became desensitized. And 
their warning systems were, were, uh, were basically dismantled. And so he's, he's, he's not as much concerned about the pain he's in physically, because that's not what he would be experiencing. It's often described actually as a painless hell. His ultimate desire, his ultimate ache is to be clean. He says, you can heal me and you can make me clean. This is the ache of isolation. If we're honest, getting past COVID-19 is not the ache that we feel. We live with lots of other diseases in our culture that this has been prepared, this has been compared to. There's lots of other diseases. It's not getting past COVID-19 that's the ache. It's recovering what was lost that's the ache. See, I don't know what it was for you, but there were lots of things that were lost. There was a way of life. There was a social structure. There were certain relationships. There were things that were taken from us, things that we lost, things that were stolen from us, things that were removed from our lives that we had no say around whatsoever. And there's an ache. There's an ache to sort of get back to this. You've heard people, I wanna get back to normal. When are things gonna get back to normal? And some of you who, you're not pessimists, you call yourselves realists, I'll let you have that for now. You, you basically say, hey, look, it's never going back to normal. You've heard the, there's, this is the new normal. That old normal is gone and we're all wrestling now with the ache of what was, wondering, is that true? And what will come back? What will you recover? What won't you recover? How will this new world be different? But on the inside, there's this, this different ache. And, and it's, I think, similar to what this guy was experiencing. In his being unclean and isolated from society, which we all experienced at, at one time when we were out in public and, and it was like, we didn't want to sneeze in public. So you're doing everything you can do to keep yourself from sneezing because if you sneeze, it's like everybody thinks you have COVID. And so you, then you get like the scarlet letter and nobody wants to be near you. They're like taking their kids and like running away from you. You had this happen. Like that's, there's one thing there, but wrapped up in this guy as being unclean was not only that he wasn't approachable, but he seemed undesirable, unacceptable, unlovable. He was plagued not just by a physical isolation, but a mental and emotional isolation. And so he breaks his quarantine and he comes to Jesus. And he, he, he perceives that Jesus can do something for him that no one else can do. And so he throws himself at Jesus' feet and he begs him to be made clean. Now look at Jesus' response. Verse 41 tells us he was moved with compassion. Nobody else in their society was moved with compassion. One of the things you need to know about leprosy is people who had leprosy in that society, people believed they deserved it. They deserved it probably because they sinned and God was punishing them somewhere. Or, or they weren't careful or they had contact with somebody who had had leprosy, which is very similar. You, you, you at times, don't lie, you're in church. You judge people. You saw somebody got COVID and you're like, it's probably because it's probably they were hanging out at that party the other night. It's probably because they weren't distancing. They weren't quarantining. They weren't wearing their mask. I saw them and, and it was sort of like you judge them. And this is the same thing that happened with this person is they were judged by people around them. Nobody was moved with compassion except Jesus. And Jesus did something we would all consider unsafe and unwise. He risked exposure, moved with compassion. Jesus reached out and he touched him. He reached out and he touched him and he said, 
be healed. Now, Jesus didn't have to touch this man. Jesus had healed other people by telling them to go wash in the Jordan River, by telling people to just get up and walk. He didn't have to have physical contact to heal this guy. We have seen, we have other evidences, but Jesus delighted in reaching out to people in their distress, people that nobody else would touch or associate with, those who were downcast. He delighted in reaching out and allowing them to feel the contact of human touch, to value them. Instantly, we're told, instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And then Jesus, if you keep reading on, he tells the man that he needs to go to the priest because the priest is the one who determines whether you're clean or you're unclean. And you have to go and show yourself before the priest and you have to pay a little bit of a tax. And then the priest will let everybody else know that you're okay to be a part of society. And so Jesus is trying to tell him, hey, look, go follow the proper channels. And this guy completely disregards Jesus's instructions. And, and we're told that the man, instead, he went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened to him. He wanted everyone to know what Jesus had done for him. And maybe he was just so grateful and he wanted everybody to know about Jesus. I think more so, he had dealt with this ache of isolation for so long that this disease had dis- disconnected him from society that he disregarded Jesus' instructions because he wanted to feel the connection that he had been missing for so long. He wanted to feel connected to people, to society, to family. And he wanted other people to know who had done it for him. Now, here's, here's something that's interesting. You know, we, we've all dealt with something similar to what this guy dealt with in our isolation uh, through, through the pandemic, but it's not actually the objective condition of being isolated. Let's be honest, some of you really enjoyed that, didn't you? You were like, oh, I don't have to be around those people anymore. I don't have to work with them. Like, I get to be by myself. Like, thank you, Jesus, for the pandemic. I get to kind of be by myself. Like, some of you, for a few days, you were there. It's not the objective condition. It's the subjective feeling associated with the objective condition. Eventually, for all of us, Because we weren't designed for it, there's this feeling, there's this ache that goes along with not being connected to society, not being connected to community, the lack of authentic connection, not being fully known, looking people eye to eye, being able to embrace family, allowing your kids to see their grandparents. And if your grandparents, allowing you to see your kids and your grandkids and, and needing that physical touch. What's interesting is about this guy is we don't know his background. We don't know a lot about him. In fact, you know what's so interesting is we know his issue, but we don't even know his name. We know what's wrong with him. We know his problems, but we don't know his name. Isn't it true that oftentimes we get our identity wrapped up in our issues? that are inadequacies and our insecurities, a belief that other people won't accept us, they won't want us, it has a way of leading us into self-isolation. And some of that is through self-preservation. It's like, if I can keep people at a distance, if people don't know, if I can keep them away from me, people won't know my issues. And when that happens, it's because our issues, we've connected our issues with our identity, with who we are. And when our issues 
we begin to associate with our identity, that leads to isolation. Don't miss this, don't miss this. The pandemic was going on long before COVID-19. The reality is, is the, 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 the pandemic compounded this and it's led people into loneliness and powerlessness and a feeling of meaninglessness at times. But this existed long before the pandemic. The pandemic just completely compounded this in some of our lives. And this so, social isolation, it led us to a spiritual isolation. There's a, a group called the Barna Group, and they do a lot of research of, of churches and, and religious groups, and specifically about Christians. And on their, after surveying thousands of churches and tens of thousands of Christians, the, the reality is, is they discovered that 32% of church attenders disconnected from their church during the pandemic. 32%, a third. And, and the social isolation that they experienced led to a spiritual isolation. And it caused people not only to check out on church, but many people were considering checking out on faith altogether. Do you know that this is one of the enemy's key strategies for attacking us is to isolate us. It's to isolate you and me. I mean, we see it throughout the scriptures. He tried to do it with Jesus. He succeeded with David. We could go on and on and on. We could see several different stories where this happened. But I just want you to think about your story for a minute. When you've been isolated from good influences of people of faith, when you're isolated from Jesus in your life, isn't it true that's when you are most susceptible to ruining your life, making collateral decisions with all sorts of collateral damage, maybe uh, to stepping into one of your greatest regrets. And here's what I would say is in this season, we can't let that happen to people. We, we can't let that, the, the isolation, that the social isolation, this pandemic, allow it to spill over into this some third of Christians, third of the church. This isn't just happening out there in the country. That's happening right here in our city, and it's happening right here in this church. Most people are no longer physically isolated, but they remain relationally isolated. They remain spiritually isolated. And the, the hurts and habits and hangups that some of those people uh, experienced over the last 20 months, those are things the enemy is using to keep people in isolation. The, the things that people have dealt with, their issues, the things that they would say they're not proud of, the things that they did, the things that, that they, that they uh, coped with, the things that they threw themselves into, the issues that developed over the last 20 months, they've begun to associate with who they are and it's causing them to self-isolate, to go into hiding. And, and a community like this, be honest, some of you, you're here today and this doesn't feel safe to you to talk about those things. In fact, other people would tell you it's not safe. And we have to change that. Two significant revelations or realizations by us as a staff recently is one, we have to take a much more urgent and intentional approach to reaching out. I didn't know how significant this challenge was before getting back here to Atlanta. It's, it's significantly impacted us as a church. But we have to take a more intentional approach in reaching out and getting in touch with people who are no longer here, just the way that Jesus did. 
I had somebody tell a story about how they came to church uh, just a few weeks ago. They told me that they came in and they sat down in the section that they used to always sit in and saw all of their friends and the people they used to come to church with. And they came two weekends in a row after we started regathering as a church and they didn't see anyone they knew sitting in their section. And they felt alone. There were a whole bunch of other people here, but they felt alone. That may be some of you today, and I want you to know, we don't, that's, that's, not a, that's not a bullseye. Getting you to come back and attend church, that is not the goal. Second, we simply can't do this without your help. We want to reach out and connect with people and help them reconnect, help them reconnect relationally and spiritually, and we can't do this. So the thing I, I discovered, the thing I told our staff is like, hey, look, we can try as hard as we can, and we've, we're, just so you know, we're taking a, some serious strategies and, and some serious, uh, uh, not only a serious look at, but putting together a pretty robust plan for reaching out to all the people that we haven't connected with since we've, we've been regathering. But I want you to know, we can't do it without your help. We need all of you to join us, not just in attending the church, but in being the church to the people around us in this community. At this point, we've got a whole bunch of other churches with us. If, if you're at one of our, our other churches, um, your lead pastor is going to come up and talk to you about how you can specifically engage and partner in reaching out to people uh, at your church and on your campus uh, and your community. Specifically uh, for us here at Buckhead Church, here's what I want to do. I want to actually pull back the curtain today. And I want you to know what's really going on. Some, I've heard, heard some of you ask like, hey, last time I was here, there was a lot more people in the room and man, it seemed like it was really packed. And some of you are like, I'm not too sad because it's easy to get in and out. The parking's not so bad. And, but like, like what's going on? And so I'm gonna tell you, here's the thing. People are, our statistics, we're a little less than 32%, but it's not much different than the Barna statistics. People are slipping out the back door of our church and not just of our church, out of their faith altogether. Best we can tell, and there's a huge research project that went into this, trying to figure out prior to the pandemic, um, how many people who were engaged prior to the pandemic that we haven't seen engage since we started regathering as as a church. And the best we can tell, there's 4,136 households. It's extraordinary. It's a huge number. It's it's a little less than 32%, but it's, it's a huge number. And, and half of our, just so you know, uh, half of our adults that, that come to Buckhead Church are single. And so it, you don't have to do any math today. I won't make you do that. But it's a, it ends up being about two-thirds of these people, about 2,700 of these people are single adults who probably don't have anybody they're living with that's also encouraging them or helping them, holding them accountable or encouraging them be, to continue in their faith or get back to faith or reconnect with their local church. Now, here's the thing. Some of those people, some of you go, well, you know, Buckhead Church took a long time to restart, start regathering. And, and, you know, we know some people that started going to other church. Just so you know, like, that's not my priority. I want you to hear my heart for a second. This isn't about like getting back the people that used to be here. None of these people are our people. You're not our people. Like, we're all the body of Christ. We're Jesus's people. My thing is there are people who, like Jesus talked about, the sheep that slipped away, And somebody has to go after them. Somebody has to go looking for those people. Somebody came looking for you. Somebody called you and said, hey, you need to get back to church. Maybe it was your spouse or or maybe it was a friend. Hey, the church is regathering. We miss you. We want to see you. Maybe it was somebody on our staff, somebody you're connected to. There's a whole bunch of people who are waiting probably for somebody to reach out to them who are in, in isolation and they need to be lifted out like Jesus. They need someone to reach out to them thing I'll tell you is a single point of regathering, 
a weekend service, that's not going to solve that problem. That will not fix that issue. And so here's what, here's what I want you to know. I'm, I'm today, I'm asking for your help. I'm asking for your partnership, whether you're watching online or whether you're here in the room. We need your help reconnecting, re-engaging, uh, and regathering um, our church and discovering and re- helping people rediscover the, the significance of their faith. One, one of the things I'll tell you is, and some of you know this, people have never been more aware of the cost that it takes of time and effort and energy to get up on a Sunday morning and drive to a building and, and re-engage with people. But they've also never been less aware of the benefit of the significance of those relationships. I've heard so many people talk recently about how they've reconnected with with their people. They've reconnected with their tribe, with their group, uh, with the people they serve with. And they forgot how meaningful that was, how significant, how important it was to their own, not just physical, but emotional, spiritual well-being. And so we're offering ways. Yes, I'm going to give you another QR code. But we're offering ways for people to regather and reconnect and re-engage with our church. And this next season, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, take a, I want you to, to open this up on your phone uh, with, your, with your camera and connect with this. Because whether it's you that needs to reconnect or whether you know somebody that reconnects, we need your help. We've got a whole bunch of offerings between now and the end of the year. Christmas time is a likely time for people to come back. It's one of the easiest invitations. We have all sorts of events and things that are happening. Special gatherings for single adults, for families, for kids, our Christmas services, our Christmas Eve services. There's all sorts of things to attend, but it's not just that. There's ways to reconnect. We have new groups that are starting in the new year. Some of you are reforming, you're re-engaging with your groups. And then we also want people to re-engage in serving. You know some people, or you used to be on a team. You used to have a group of people that you served alongside, and they were community. They were, they were connectivity to you, to the body of Christ, to this faith community. And when you didn't show up, what happened? They reached out to you. You didn't show up at group two or three weeks in a row, and somebody reached out to you. And so we have a multifaceted plan to try and help regather, reconnect, and re-engage our church. And all of those opportunities are on a single page. Whether you're new or, or, and you're looking to connect in, into a community of faith, or whether you've been around a long time and you feel like you're, you're starting over, we want to help you. We know that's hard, but we want to help you with that. And, and if you're, you're watching online, I'll just say this, you're watching online today and you found yourself isolated, or maybe you're in the room and you found yourself isolated And you would say, like my friend, when he said we came in and we sat here two weekends in a row and we sat in this room and we didn't know anybody in our section and we felt completely alone. If that's you, that's the problem I want to solve because that's not good for you. That puts you at risk. I'll just tell you, you can go look at the data. The data of isolation, both physically, spiritually, emotionally, it puts you at risk in significant ways. This is not about getting people to attend the church. This is about being the church to each other and to our community. So I'm gonna ask you to help us out. If you're somebody who you sort of feel like, hey, look, I, I don't, I, I, I'm not feeling isolated. I, I'm, not, I'm not, you know, sort of in a situation where, where uh, you know, I'm feeling disconnected. I've got my people. I've connected with my people. I, that's awesome. We need your help. We don't need you to just attend the church or attend your group. We need you to be the church alongside of us and and join us in what we're doing uh, here at the church. 
And, and I'll, just, I'll just tell you, if you're somebody who is in a place where you're, you feel passionate about this, we've got all sorts of ways. We have things behind the scenes that we're doing. We're sending letters to people. We're making phone calls. We're reaching out to people. We would love your help. There's people out at the guest services table that would love to give you some more information. Take your name if you wanna find out how you can help us with that. But we're gonna make this big church personal in this season. We wanna make sure it's personal because Jesus was a personal God and he reached out personally to people, to connect with people and to invite people to join him, to follow him. Because it's the most important thing is being close to Jesus. He's the only one that changed everything, everybody for everyone. We're not confused. It's not about Buckhead Church. It's not like there's something magic about this place or the teaching here, our children's environments. We've certainly learned some things about connecting with people. But we're trying to connect people to Jesus. And his church, his gathering, his body, is his representation. I want to take you back to the passage, Mark chapter, chapter one, where we left off the story. And where we left off the story, um, it, it said this. It said, the man went and he spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. He went and sort of told everybody else. After Jesus reached out to him and touched him, he began to reach out to other people. Let me ask you, what would happen if we did for other people what Jesus has done for us? What would happen if you and I were to do for somebody else what somebody did for us when they reached out and brought us back when we strayed, when we were walking away, regardless of what we did or what we were in the middle of, they invited us back. I'll tell you what happened in this instance. As a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus. I just want you to know if you're new to Buckhead Church, this is what we're all about is about inspiring people to follow Jesus. Large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and they began to follow him. And Jesus came to solve the biggest challenges of our lives. The biggest difficulties, the hurts, the habits and hangups many of us found ourselves in the middle of in this pandemic. And Jesus said, I don't care where you are. I don't care what you're in the middle of. Come here, come follow me. Come with me, I'm gonna help you. I'm gonna care for you. I'm gonna heal you. I'm gonna make you whole. Large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. Isn't that awesome? Instead, he had to stay out, look at this, in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Can I just say this to you real quick? If you're somebody and you found yourself out in secluded places, here's the good news. That's where Jesus hangs out too. And he's reaching out to you today and so are we. You belong here. Don't rush past this. This is important. You belong here without having all your stuff together, without getting out of all of the things that you've gotten yourself into. You belong here. You belong here even without believing everything that we believe. You belong here. You belong here regardless of where you've been, what you've done, or where you've come from. You belong here because Jesus says you belong. And we want to reach out to you. And we're inviting you to re-engage, to reconnect, to regather with us so that we can together before our city, we can continue to love people in the name of Jesus so that we can continue to reach out. But in this season, in this short window that we have, 
It's important for us to regather and reconnect and re-engage the people that maybe the enemy is trying to isolate so that he can attack them. Let me pray for you. God, today, my heart is heavy for somebody who may be in this room who once felt a connection. They felt a connectivity. They felt a closeness, not just to the church, but to you. I pray that you would help them to see the wisdom today that's saying that those two things are connected. Not that they have to attend here or be a part of this church to be connected to you, but that this body, this community of faith, it is how you chose to represent yourself on earth and that being connected to the body, we have a much greater chance of walking with you and following you and staying in step with you and walking the path that you set out for each one of us, the unique path that you have that leads each one of us to thrive and experience the fullness of life that you promised. You said that the enemy, he's come to steal and kill and destroy and he's trying to isolate. And so I just pray for somebody today who's found themselves in isolation. God, I just pray that you would either motivate them, compel them to reach out today or supernaturally, you would just surround them with someone. Someone maybe today before they leave the building, maybe somebody today after they log off to the, from the online stream. I believe you could do that. And I believe that we are the answers to your prayers, that you're motivating hundreds, if not thousands of people in our church to be people who reach out Jesus the way that you did. To reach out and touch somebody and say, hey, you're valuable and you're significant, not because of what you did, but because of what Jesus has done for you. And it's in his powerful name. It's our faith and belief in Jesus as the savior of the world that we pray all of these things. It's in his name. Once again, thanks for listening. If you'd like to hear more messages like this, we've made it super easy. First, you can hit the subscribe button to get these messages on your device every week. Second, you can download our app from iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your apps. Or third, you can check out our YouTube channel. Just search for Buckhead Church and make sure to subscribe. Have a great day.